0: Welcome to Get Real with me, Dr. Friedman, if you want to live with greater purpose, authenticity and empowerment, this is your time to upgrade your belief systems, unlock your true potential and discover the endless possibilities of you becoming the creator of your life. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of my podcast. Get Real is all about being honest with ourselves taking responsibility over our inner and outer world, learning from our mistakes, growing with our challenges and ultimately becoming the empowered leader of our life. And today I wanna talk about a topic that is very disempowering for so many people, anxiety. I have struggled with anxiety in the past myself so I know how overwhelming and paralyzing this emotion can feel. This is a reason why for almost 20 years, I have been helping people worldwide to overcome their anxiety with holistic and uh, non-conventional ways. And so what I wanna share with you today, uh, I wish someone would have told me when I was in the throngs of my struggles with anxiety, because there are certain things we're doing that makes the anxiety worse. Not that we want to, but somehow we are falling into these little traps and knowing about them can certainly help you to accelerate the healing process with your anxiety. Now, there are general guidelines I just wanna quickly share. The first one is if you struggle with anxiety and you feel like it really takes over your life, get help. Whether it's going to your doctor and get some medicine, to a counselor and get support, to someone who does alternative methods, whatever feels right to you, but don't struggle with the anxiety alone. This is something that, you know, for many people has been almost like a shameful topic that they didn't want to share with others. But when we look around and realize that probably, you know, three out of 10 people or more are struggling with anxiety, and you know you're not alone. And it is something that can become a teacher for you. It can become a catalyst for growth for you. And you certainly can learn a lot from the anxiety. Maybe you change your values, or you get a different relationship to yourself, or you're addressing your beliefs. Whatever it is, the anxiety can help you to become a better version of yourself and to enjoy life more. So don't be shy, look for help. And also some general rules, You know, don't drink too much caffeine, get enough sleep, don't self-medicate with drugs and alcohol because it only makes the anxiety worse. Get a regular routine of meditation, working out, Stop being so much you know, attached to your screens and be more connected to nature. Be hydrated, don't skip any meals, and also try to connect to people that uplift you and that see you with a compassionate and caring heart. So these are really some uh, you know, base uh, suggestions that I find very helpful along the way. Now, the five mistakes I want to talk about are, you know, you could summarize them basically with taking responsibility for your part in creating anxiety or making it worse. And the first mistake is that we identify ourselves with the anxiety. As soon as we are saying, I am anxious or I am a warrior. We are neglecting and, uh, you know, ignoring all these other aspects of ourselves that have nothing to do with anxiety. I have seen it many times where people were anxious, you know, through the course of the day. But as soon as the kids came home and maybe one of them was anxious or stressed, that person stepped into the parent role, caretaking, compassionate, and the anxiety was forgotten or someone got sick and they had to be the helper. And again, they were more empowered being in that role and the anxiety went more into the background. I have seen people that are only anxious in social settings and very competent and confident at work. We play many roles. Like a diamond, we have many different facets. So the idea that there is only anxiety is of course not true. But when we tell ourselves that we are the anxiety or the anxiety is us, we are limiting our awareness. We are changing how we are acting. We are hiding out often in a little comfort zone and the world appears more and more scary. And lo and behold, we are no longer tapping into our inner resources and lose even the idea of how life could be beyond anxiety and without anxiety. So what I suggest for you is just to know you're always more than the anxiety and you have always resources inside of you that can help you to address whatever causes the anxiety and to outgrow it and become ultimately, as I said before, a more empowered version of yourself. Now, the second uh, mistake we are making is the so-called secondary anxiety that is when we are afraid of our own emotions. You know, let's say the anxiety starts at some point and it attacks you. You just feel like, oh my God, what was that? And you don't really understand where it comes from. You don't really know exactly what it's trying to tell you. So you just feel all that intensity of the emotion. Maybe it happens a second or a third time at some point you will feel so you know worried about having to deal with anxiety again that awful feeling that you know rush through your body that uh, shortness of breath whatever those symptoms are that you have been dealing with and you will no longer think about what is it actually what caused the anxiety in the first place all you think about is the symptom and how to avoid the symptom because It feels so bad. Now, the secondary anxiety basically makes you feel even more powerless because you are, you know, in some ways become an emotional hypochondriac because all you're focusing on is that, you know, will I get anxious again? Will I have a panic attack again? And you are not really open to ask yourself, what is the meaning of the anxiety? What's the message? Where and why did it show up at this point? now imagine the anxiety as a younger version of yourself. Why? Well, because anxiety ultimately has been you know a learned pattern. It's something that we develop early in our lives, especially uh, during a time when we feel powerless, we feel dependent on others, and so when you are seeing the anxiety as a a child inside of you, how do you feel that child, uh, you know, wants you to deal with its worries? I mean, think back when you were little and anxious, and let's say your parents would have just bought into your anxiety and, you know, you would have seen the boogeyman and they would have said, oh my God, there is a boogeyman, probably would have not really comforted you very much. Or if your parents would have ignored you when you were crying because you were scared, it also would have not helped you. Or they may have been, you know, if they would have been mad at you and frustrated with you that you had anxiety, also not very helpful as a response. So when you really think about it as, uh, you know, a, a guideline, how your anxiety wants to be treated is how you would have wanted to be treated as a child when you were anxious with kindness and caring, maybe with curiosity, and just also a certain kind of guidance out of that uh, spiral of anxious thoughts into a much more, you know, openness of seeing like, okay, there is really nothing to worry about. So the point of this second mistake is don't get hung up on your symptoms, really realize, well, the symptoms only get louder and they only get more intense if we are ignoring where they come from. It's like a child having a temper tantrum, and if a child has a temper tantrum, well, if you try to ignore it or shut it down, it just screams louder. And if you think about really where this anxiety comes from, as uh, you know, as a childhood experience, well, you probably had temper tantrums as a child, and you probably felt that anger but you're not afraid of the anger as it maybe now comes up as an adult so if you feel anxious now and you're imagining well this is a pattern based on a belief or based on some uh, you know events in the past that made me anxious and so this is something that came back up don't be afraid of it just have an open mind and ultimately an open heart and try to understand what it actually means that the anxiety is showing up. That doesn't mean you have to always dig deep into the past. Some people avoid that. Some people don't want that because they feel like, well, the past is the past. It's more about putting the pieces together. It's more about understanding, how is that what I'm experiencing right now, triggering something that I have experienced in the past? How is that based on an old belief system, whatever, has been right now challenging me, a belief system that may come from way back, like a belief system of not being safe in the world or not being able to trust or not being good enough. You may have not felt this for a long time, but then somehow in your adult time, something gets triggered. There are events where you feel all of a sudden, okay, this was again, another betrayal, another disappointment, another failure and all this anxiety response from your childhood is just coming back to the surface. When you know about it, when you realize that's what it is, then you can also work on changing those beliefs and healing these original wounds so that the anxiety doesn't get triggered anymore. Now, the third mistake that we are making often is similar to number two, it is checking on the anxiety all the time. You now, when, I don't know, when you have pain, I'd you know, say like you have somehow, uh, you know, like a, a toe that, uh, you know, something fell on and it really hurts and it throbs. If you focus only on that pain, well, it pretty much takes over your entire mind. And uh, even though 95% or more of your body are completely pain-free, in your mind, that's all you have, which is pain. And that is something that we have to really change when it comes to anxiety, this constantly measuring on what's my anxiety level? Is it high? What happens? Because the more we focus on it, the stronger it gets. There has been this study about uh, pain. And I feel anxiety is nothing but emotional pain coming from a wound that started in the past, but there have been a study about pain in burn victims and, and those burn victims, you know, often, even though there may be only 30%, which is quite a lot, uh, but it's not a hundred percent of the body burned, that pain can completely overtake everything and makes people feel depleted and hopeless. So they invented a video game snow world it was called where people were playing that video game with these you know virtual 3d glasses and uh, basically completely immersed themselves in something outside of their experience of pain throwing snowballs building snowman sledding whatever after 20 minutes of that the pain level physiologically but also you know really emotionally was significantly reduced because they stepped out of that vicious cycle of noticing the pain, being afraid of the pain, and then making it this way even worse. So that that grip of the pain was released. And, you know, they did this two times a day. And that uh, pain level continued to decrease and people felt more and more relaxed and the healing became actually much more sped up because of it, because they were more in the parasympathetic nervous system place rather in that stress sympathetic nervous system place. So when you are anxious, try not to just get so hung up with your anxiety, but really see that, uh, you know, sometimes it's important just to get immersed in something else. There's always a time to try to understand the anxiety, to listen to what the thoughts are that bring up the anxiety or that are with the anxiety. There are processes that uh, I talk about in my work that help you then to redirect those thoughts and address those thoughts again with the idea that the anxiety comes more from that inner younger self that needs some help, that needs some guidance, but it doesn't have to be a 24 hour job. It can be something that you also feel like, okay, I'm setting this aside for later, but I'm really engaging in the world in different ways, paying attention to my body. This is what mindfulness is so great about. Getting my hands dirty in the garden, planting something. This is why nature can be such a healer. Listening to music things that really can take your mind away from just looking always and, you know, trying to measure always what your anxiety is doing. The fourth mistake that we are making is that mistake that we are never looking at uh, other emotions when we're anxious. It's almost like all other feelings don't exist. And similar to what I just said about, you know, pain and getting into other sensations, it's really important that we are getting into other emotions. You have, during the course of a day, probably 50 different emotions or more that, you know, you mostly ignore because all you focus on is your anxiety. And I did exactly the same thing because, you know, whether I felt good for a moment, maybe I was laughing at somebody's joke or Maybe there was just a nice sensation in my body of, you know, having a nice cup of coffee or taking a warm shower. All of those things were kind of deleted out of my awareness because my focus was solely on that anxiety. So what I suggest you to do is to really pay attention to what else is going on in your mind, helping your mind to search for what feels good. And not just search for what you ultimately want to avoid, and it's like driving in a car and always looking at that ditch that you don't want to end up in, but never really looking at this you know road that you actually want to be on, so try to give your mind the direction that you ultimately want. Anxiety is not a battle with anxiety; anxiety is ultimately a healing and a coming. Back to yourself, becoming yourself, and for that, you want to think about what is beyond the anxiety. I often talk about breaking through anxiety, and if anxiety is like a wooden board and you know you want to break through this wooden board with a you know karate move, well, you want to not focus on the board, you want to focus on what's beyond the board, the space beyond it, because if you focus on the board as you want to you know, pound your way through it, you get stuck in it. Something inside makes you, you know, feel like, oh, that's gonna probably hurt. But if you focus on the space beyond it, you have the velocity and the strength to go beyond it. And this is the same with focusing on what we wanna feel. Now, what is the opposite of anxiety? I think the opposite of anxiety is ultimately to feel trust. You know, trusting in yourself, trusting in life other people trusting in the universe so when you are really having experiences where you feel like well my friend checked in was really nice this friend cared i trust this friend doesn't that feel good or when you feel like you know i didn't have the energy really to go for a run but i know it always feels better afterwards so i stay committed to my well-being so you go for the run and you know you were trustworthy for yourself. And maybe there were these nice little, you know, synergies happening throughout the day where you had a little moment of distraction, but then someone told you really a nice story that you completely forgot for a moment any of your problems and you had a good laugh. Or maybe you had, you know, a, a moment of low energy and then you turned the radio on and there was a great interview or your favorite song playing and you could say well maybe the universe has been showing up for me the point is when you're widening your awareness away from just looking at anxiety as the only thing that counts and you're looking at other aspects whether there are physical aspects the sensations what smells good what tastes good what feels good or emotional aspects a little bit of joy a little bit of contentment, a little bit of hope, all of those things can really help also the anxiety to not feel so overpowering. And for you to realize, well, on that keyboard of my emotions, I can actually become pretty good and in creating the melody that works for me and not just staying always in that you know, dark, somber tone of anxiety. And the fifth point of, you know, the fifth aspect of uh, anxiety that we often, you know, somehow either ignore or do something wrong with is that we are kind of cuddling the anxiety and we don't really have clear boundaries with it. Now, a lot of people uh, that have been working with the concept of, well, the anxiety may be something very vulnerable inside of me, it uh, needs to really, you know, be taken care of, and the thoughts need to be uh, redirected. All of those things are really important. And, you know, again, I feel also this helps us to grow out of the anxiety. But sometimes we have to also have a boundary with anxiety and say, no, I can't do this again. We cannot go through the hundreds of times uh, with the same thinking spiral, the same questions, the same worrying. Right now, I need to take care of business. I need to focus on this. Or right now, I just wanna take a bath and I don't wanna be bothered by this. Let's talk about this later. You know how kids don't only need positive uh, attention and affection, but they also need boundaries to feel safe. That's exactly the same with anxiety. It doesn't have to be harsh or angry or scary. It can be just clear and firm, but still compassionate. It doesn't have to be just a no. It just can be not now, but later. A client of mine told me this the other day that uh, he was in a situation where he had to give a little talk and right before, even though he went through Uh, this whole um, speech he was giving in his mind, he rehearsed, he practiced, he calmed uh, this part of him that was anxious down. Right before, there was the anxiety showing up again. With all the what ifs. What if people don't like it? What if you forget what you say? What What if you have a panic attack in front of everybody? So he had to put the foot down. Said, no, this is not the time. I'm gonna focus on what I wanna share, and what I do is not a performance. doesn't matter what other people are thinking. What matters is that i gonna really give them the information they need to be on purpose and not just you know feeling like this is a scary moment because some people may criticize me and so when he put his foot down and really said that he wants to give people what they came from and give them the information they needed something inside of him shifted and he was right back on that focus of really doing what he came to do, which was ultimately, uh, you know, just giving people some additional uh, knowledge about a topic that they were interested in. So you see, sometimes we do have just to have boundaries with our anxiety so that we are you know, not letting the anxiety just take over our entire lives. And those boundaries are much better coming from a place that is more like a caring parent than, you know, some stern uh, taskmaster or someone who is, you know, bullying uh, our own emotions. Because that usually doesn't really work very well. I have seen plenty of times that when people got angry at their anxiety, five minutes later, the anxiety actually got worse. Now, I hope this all helps you to really see that there are things that you can do better when it comes to dealing with anxiety. Again, don't identify yourself with your emotion. Don't feel like that you have to be afraid of the anxiety or the symptoms. Just be curious and open and ask yourself what do they mean what does a deeper part of my mind the subconscious try to tell me with this anxiety how is it triggering something like a belief or a pattern that stems from way back and how can i overcome that and replace this with another pattern another belief and then don't check on the anxiety all the time See the progress you're making. See the good things that you're doing for yourself as that as the benchmark that you want to focus on and not how much anxiety you're still having or when it's coming back. Just realize the more I check, the worse it gets. I don't want to ignore it, but I don't want to search for it or dig it up. I want to focus on other emotions. I want to focus on the progress I'm making. I want to focus on how I can have more trust in myself, in the world around me, and in a higher power. And then also be in a place where you are ultimately feeling that, uh, you know, this anxiety needs to have boundaries, needs to have you step up and be that empowered leader. The anxiety ultimately looks up at you. And wonders, can you really take care of it? Can you be the one who it can lean on and trust in? And for that, boundaries are important. Just having very firm and clear guidelines. This is when I take care of my anxiety, and this is when I take care of the rest of my life. So stepping into this role of your own healer, your own mentor, your own uh, caretaker for the anxiety is also a really Very empowering and important aspect of that. Well, next time, I want to talk about values. Because one of the things that I also noticed very uh, frequently is that when we are not living in accordance with our values, we are creating a lot of anxiety. And just as an example, let's say you have a value of uh, you know, it's important for you to have a harmonious life or to have good connections, to collaborate with others, but you are having a job in a company where it's all about politics and elbow thinking and somehow making it to the top, you will naturally feel out of alignment with your values. And you will naturally feel not only in the wrong place, you will feel your anxiety coming up more and more. And this is exactly what happened to me. When I was working in cardiology, and I can tell you more about that. But, you know, the question, of course, is what do we do with that? How can we change our values or how can we change our environment to even be in alignment with our values? And how do I know my values in the first place? All of that we'll talk about in the next episode of Get Real. Until then, don't be afraid of your anxiety. Embrace it. Understand it try to take care of it and use it as a catalyst of your growth, an inner compass that helps you to find more and more the way back to your true authentic self.